Rethink Retail, the evolution of retail in today's connected world. Welcome to the Rethink Retail Show, your source for the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Join host Julia Raymond as she explores the most recent trends and innovations in commerce. Hi, today we're kicking off another episode of Rethink Retail with my guest, Brian McGlynn. Brian is the general manager of e-commerce at Coveo. They were founded in 2005. They're a market-leading AI-powered platform. They inject search, recommendations, and personalized solutions into digital experiences. So Brian, you're a longtime tech industry veteran with 20 years of experience building and hyperscaling organizations. You have super impressive background prior to your role at Coveo. You held leadership roles at Intershop, Hewlett-Packard, Deloitte, and IP.com. So I'm so happy to have you here today to talk a little bit about AI and where retail's going on both the e-commerce and brick and mortar side. Great. Well, thanks, Julie. Glad to be here as well and certainly excited to talk about the space. I can't think there's been anything that's changed more in the last two years. So there was even in 2019, lots of things were underway, but you go back and forward to now and where we are at this point, a lot of great things to talk about. So yeah, thanks for the invitation to come in and chat today. Absolutely. It's great to have you on the show. I think the one thing that stands out for me is the expectations consumers have are astronomical now when it comes to retail. Yeah. I mean, you look at it and very good point on that. You go back to even 2019 when I joined Coveo and even what brought me to Coveo was managing a company in the Americas called Intershop, an e-commerce platform. And just the expectation that customers were even then starting to look at competing with the likes of Amazon, competing with the likes of, you think even the ones that influence our lives outside of some of the e-commerce parts, such as Netflix or what Uber and the others have done, is really that the way that clients expect to use something e-commerce, to use something online, they expect things to be better than the in-person aspect. And we saw that within 2019. And then as 2020 came along with COVID, that shut down the in-person channels for most of the world. And what it did is it really outed to those uh, experiences that were good and those that were subpar. And just recently, we look at our part till we did a relevance report where we surveyed, I think, upwards of 2000 shoppers and others, certainly that use the service out there. And we found is that 90 percent of consumers, 90 expect the online experience to be equal or better than in store. And from that part, when we look at grocers, we look at others that are in uh, the home hardware section as well. People go, wanting to go in and get that experience has just been a big thing for us. Wow. So 2,000 shoppers were surveyed and 90% said better or equal experience digitally as in store. Yeah. And part of it, too, is tough to go into. And you think about it, we've got to go in and break down what it means to be a great shopping experience. And in many cases, it's a matter of you think about the analog world where someone goes in, walks into a store, a sporting goods store. They, they want to get where they want to. It really a couple of things. They want to, whether it's a shopper that's on a mission, directly going in, find something, buy it, bring it out, or someone that's going in there for inspiration. But what they expect is they'll find what's relevant to them. They expect to find service staff that can answer their questions, answer them efficiently. And ultimately, uh, even if the part as well, you look at specialty stores that are competing with the likes of Walmart and others in the analog world, going in and having where there's inspiration and uh, knowledgeable staff in many cases as well. For example, one of our customers is actually in the uh, DIY business. Uh, so they went through and actually the fourth largest DIY store in the world. They came forward and part of their whole site redesign was to bring in uh, not just the point of, hey, I want to go in and buy a barbecue. I want to go in and bring uh, buy uh, nails or something like that. 
They want it to get where they can go and look for videos about how to use uh, barbecue smokers and other parts like that. So as customers go in, they can go in and not just acquire, but also be inspired by the various different parts that are out there as well. That's huge. I know you said it was your client is the fourth largest DIY store in the world. And we can think back last year when everyone was really bored in their house looking for activities and just how bad a lot of the sites were compared to today. I mean, they've made huge changes over the last year. It's so needed. And I think that there's a cross section, you know, when you talked about the shoppers, how they want that experience digitally and in store. When we shop in store, we're also using our phone most of the time as well. So there's no way of escaping that side of it. And I think you guys work with Famous Footwear, Polaris, and some amazing brands. What do you think some of their takeaways were from talking to them, you know, in the past few months now that we're midway into 2021? We've certainly seen like, for example, yeah, Famous Footwear, one of our customers that came on board along with We've seen part of the Calaris family. They went through a, a pretty large redesign and worked with us uh, across that, replacing some legacy technology and modernizing their experience. And part of it is that the challenges for online that often get left behind is, uh, first of all, in retail, about 50% of the traffic that goes to uh, a site, in some cases in B2B, it's upwards of 90%, but in, in retail, it's about 50% start with the search. And I always say anecdotally, it's like you don't Yahoo something, you Google something. So it's a matter of where those wars were fought 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And clearly the public is is really uh, having that question and answer. We're tuned to that, just like walking into a store, asking an associate where something is located, where something is. People like to ask questions and get answers to that. And site search is one of those unsung heroes in a lot of cases. And you look at Amazon, that is the primary interface. People will go in pose a question and look for something to come back. And that's really when we look at with being able to provide best in class experience. It's a thing where people go in, they expect that to where they type in uh, an information, whether it's on their phone, they're in a store shopping for something or others. And that's the case with Calaris, where the focus was getting an experience to go in where people could look for inventory that would be inside their location. They could do based on size, based on models, uh, in the various different shoes that they'd be selling. And at this part, being able to go through and really being relevant to that. So whereas sales associates not showing you something that they don't have in your size or mm. in what you're looking at, these are things that seem trivial when you think about it in the, the analog world. But when you go online, there's a lot of tech limitations and other parts that have really precluded early technologies from being aware of inventory, being aware of location, being aware of taste, color and other items like that to present really to the user what they're looking for, what they might be looking for. And you touched on Amazon a little bit there. I know Wayfair as well. They've set the bar high when it comes to site search and not customer experience necessarily in terms of discovery, but for search, if you know what you're looking for. But for the everyday retailers, maybe mid-size, maybe mom and pop, do you think it's possible for them to compete with the big giants or how should they be thinking about the competition? I think they absolutely can. We're seeing this a lot and really play out in many different cases in the B2B world, around marketplaces. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly in retail, if you think about Main Street, the big box stores came in and did a number on Main Street. And now Amazon is kind of the next phase of the big boxes that are out there. But where a lot of, uh, we talk about some of our customers that have come in and really looked at a content-rich experience. So Lee Valley, uh, actually a Canadian hardware retailer, is a big Coveo customer. And they've gone through an embarkment to initially to bring in and, and fix site search. So if you're searching for a, a glue gun, you get a glue gun versus a nail gun. And these are the things that are common and rampant with site search. And once again, over 50% of their site traffic goes in. 
part of it is really going to that next level to be relevant uh, in this case where they specialize in tools, they specialize in really uh, aiding users to, to work on their houses and other items like that, where companies certainly competing with the likes of Amazon can, one, use the technology to equalize, to go in and get that same kind of a search technology, and two, use the ability to go in and augment really know-how and rich content around it. So shopping online is not so much an experience of, hey, I want to find a doorknob that does this, but also learn about what it is. Okay, well, here's how you use a router to go in and, and add a doorknob uh, or, or add a door jam. And in this point as well, well, here's a router you should look at. And here's another particular item and have it all be inventory ready such that when a person would go to a local store, they'd be able to go in and have it all pieced out at this part. And, and that's something that where to compete with the likes of Amazon, it really comes down to is, is that curated experience and being able to do it. And, and we look at as Koya, one of our biggest, really our, our, we take out there into the market, one of our phrases is we've democratized AI. And that's really what we've looked at is uh, you take, for example, Wafer, they have 2,300 different developers on staff working with, with furniture. It's massive. So a company that's going to go through and literally, uh, if you're not in, in the tech part, if you're a furniture reseller, your core competence is around getting furniture out to the market, procuring it, getting the best mixes for your customers, not necessarily writing code and developing artificial intelligence. So what we've done is really take it, not for our own purpose, but take all of those particular learnings, a lot of the research and make it available such that a home hardware reseller or a footwear supplier or an auto parts supplier can go in and use that intelligent search and product recommendation and personalization items to drive that experience such that someone gets that white glove experience that they would expect at an in-person store. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like this is the... I mean, it's here now, but it's also the next era of search and having that curated experience you talk about. So it's like, OK, you're looking for this type of dress. You could dress it up or dress it down. And here's some examples of models doing that. And it's a video. It's not just static. And it's something that is going to take the experience to that absolute next level for customers. Yeah, you know, I think altogether, that's really the inspirational shopping aspect. We acquired a company called Tuso about two years ago that develops a really interesting vector technology and knowledge graph technology with that. And knowledge graph really is a, it's, it's a fancy way of describing a relationship between products to know that, well, here's a particular bag, here's a set of shoes, here's a dress. These are all related items. They're different, but they work together. And then you couple that with natural language processing to understand uh, what someone's intending. So the, the hard part you go in is, is you take, for example, to going into your phone and doing a search saying, I'm in New York, I'd like to buy uh, a dress at, for under $500, uh, color blue. Can you help me find it? And being able to do that. So looking at dress $500, looking at taking those strings of text and converting that into actual meanings and words, it's not an easy thing to do from computers. It has to understand what each individual token means and what it means in context. Well, this is a price field. This is a color field. This dress is an item. And then going in location, New York, is it New York City? Is it New York State? And being able to go in and pick up all those clues that are either explicit or implicit and use that to go into what can be millions of individual items uh, between colors and variations and what's available in different sizes and bring that out to where you can express it. Whereas if you're dealing with personal shop or if you're dealing with someone at that part, sure, it's easy as a human being to say that. Our brains are processing that, but it comes down to a very difficult problem for technology to go into. And we've done an enormous amount of research on that. We've published several papers. We have products that are, are coming to market around that as well. 
Uh, we either call discovery tags or, or we go in with call a personalization to go. And the whole idea is being able to look inside the product space, the catalog space, understand those interrelations and, and bring that. And we definitely see a lot of trends. We're certainly where we're in the space. We've seen other companies going into this as well to really, whether it's complete the look or really just understand what it is. And, and what it is, is people want to do two things. They certainly want to retain the customer and make certain that the customer is satisfied. Otherwise, they bounce out very easily from one digital experience to the other. And the other is, is extend that relationship. So, okay, here's a share of wallet. What can we do to augment the look or augment what somebody's looking for if they happen to be in fashion or in the DIY space, the same thing, being able to augment and say, okay, well, here's what we have for additional tools. Here's DIY videos. Here's other components that are there and string that together to where the benefit to the customer, they don't have to go shopping at different locations. They can get inspired and really feel really happy about what they're going to it. And, and from the brand's perspective, it's the ability to really get a person not just to be a single transaction, but develop a relationship where they spend time and, and work with a customer a long period of time as well. And Brian, you brought up great points. I think everyone who's listening can think of an, a time when they had a really bad search experience or bad app experience. I love Instacart, but I'll just throw one out there. I purchased a little chocolate wafers called Knoppers from Aldi, and they delivered baby wipes. And that was the recommended product substitute. <laughs> and I was like, I don't have a baby wipe. Why, why, do I have someone else's order? So that was um, you know, something I kind of laugh about, but it's also just it comes down to whatever database or relational suggestions were in the engine. It just did not pan out. And I think what you said, it's like retailers don't have the staff and the money to have incredible developers and data scientists working on this. So you really do, in a lot of cases, need to outsource this if you want to have that good experience. Absolutely. When you bring up, it's it's funny. It, I mean, it's, it's comical. It's, it's not comical, probably when you opened it at first, expecting <laughs> uh, knoppers and then end up with baby wipes. Like, well, they can't eat them. <laughs> Maybe uh, clean a few things off or whatever. It, and it, it's comical when you look at it from the outside. You know, we did our, our relevance report and uh, we certainly found that uh, difficulty finding information is huge. 42% of the respondents found that that was actually a big turnoff at this point. And actually, from a revenue opportunity perspective, 43% said they're willing to pay more if they find things in just a few clicks. And it's interesting that just relevance and being to get there, it's, just, it's such a quintessential part of every experience. But to your point is that you can have the most beautifully designed user interface and flows and even checkout, even deliver something in a short period of time. If it's baby wipes when you're looking for cookies, well, you have a major fail at the whole experience. And that's where you see 90% of people will churn out from an experience that way. And it's a non-trivial thing to fix for Coveo for since 2005. These are the sorts of things we've been fixing. And we've been going through and, and working on that and getting things set up and just going in from there. So yeah, we definitely have some good stuff that have been going in. We've got some good items that are really going in there. And that's just the key part from what we see on different parts as well. When we talk a little bit about recommendation engines, they've been around for a while. What are some of the biggest faux pas you see even today, knowing that this technology is advanced? We look at it a couple of things. Uh, misreading the customer. When you think about recommendation engines, a lot of it is to do it from a customer journey-centric perspective versus a product-centric perspective. This is where when you're in the product space, you really have to go in and look at marrying the, the aspect of the user, understanding a user space, 
understanding the product space and putting them together. So going in for one, looking at a 4K monitor, there's a few things. And and there's one, it's not always the high ticket item, it's the high margin item to look at as well. And understanding the user that there is a difference of a person that may go in and look at buying a $200 stapler versus a $1,000 laptop. These are kinds of signals that we'd look at to see that these are items that, okay, someone has a propensity to buy high margin items and they're not necessarily as price conscious, they're more performance conscious. So we'd understand those vectors about what a user would be looking at. And then as well, looking at, okay, well, if they've looked at 4K monitor and they've purchased one in the past and they've gone through, let's recommend a sound bar. And at this point, we can start to recommend items that may be higher in margin or better propensity for a person to buy. And as opposed to having to drive them down into, well, you clicked on this, therefore you're in this segment, therefore you're in this segment, this segment, doing that in an automated manner to where it scales. And that's the big thing being able to go there because to an end user dealing with a human walking in talking to a good salesperson can go and engage what their interest is in and at this point as well seeing recommendations that are there some of the cases we come in they're off the wall or just totally irrelevant you're buying kitty litter and it's recommending uh, wine at this point as well or other particular items maybe there is a relationship to it Probably not, unless it's something that's ultra personalized. If it's personalized, okay, yeah, I've got a kitty and then went in and I needed to get some rosé at the time. But chances are for someone who's doing a cold start, there's usually some kind of a relationship in the journey that we want to stitch together. And that's by understanding the, the actual product space and the user, we can come up with more relevant uh, recommendations along those lines. Excellent. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, all the single cat ladies out there who are getting their wine. <laughs> Crazy cat ladies. No, no, I'm just kidding. Those are great examples, and it really helps set the picture for what is going wrong and what should be going right and what can today. Outside of churn, are there any hidden benefits that retailers you work with don't think of initially when they um, partner with you that later they realize, hey, this really helped having a best-in-class search capability because now I'm experiencing these other benefits? Absolutely. I mean, we've made it certainly a good business helping retailers along those lines. And the ROI, we look at other business uh, items as well. When you buy an e-commerce platform, it's kind of a do or die. You install it. it there's there's areas where it needs to work along those lines where you go in and we've worked a lot with retailers uh, as well, helping their customer service where we've gone in reducing necessarily calls by helping people find solutions to problems online. For us, where we go in with search through recommendation and personalization, there's a very, very strong ROI. And we've seen uh, some of our clients anywhere 20, 30. We've seen some that have claimed up to 300%, but we definitely see things in the 20s and 30% increase in conversions on products with search. So we see it where time and time again, we install and very quickly we see a bump and then it just continues to go up after that as well. That's amazing. It's the small incremental fixes and improvements that really do make a big impact. So it's exciting to hear that. And as someone who works in this field, are you seeing any other e-commerce trends that are exciting you that are definitely tied back to artificial intelligence or anything you could share with our audience that's, you know, the next thing? Yeah, the big thing we're looking at was really got a lot of people scared. I think more than anything else you look at, oh <laughs> it's, uh, with especially retailers, anyone in, in marketing technology is, I mean, there's the threats of Amazon coming and they've already, they've been there. We certainly see that. It's interesting is even with COVID, Amazon, uh, it was really the, the brick and mortar actually had stronger growth in many cases. Those are good with e-com. So we've seen the benefits on it. The part is with Google and, and Apple and certainly others are bringing in restrictions on cookies that people are, are going to mm-hmm. be installing. And really first and third party data where a lot of the traditional personalization engines required to do that. And what I mean by traditional personalization engines and others would use uh, collaborative filtering, other particular technologies where they'd look at thousands and thousands of transactions, try to find similarities with that 
that and use that to create recommendation models, but required either additional data and uh, it required a substantial amount of interactions to get to a point where things would go in. When that shuts down and Google announced it, they made a pause, but they'll, they'll certainly bring that up. Retailers and, and anyone doing personalization need to really look at it and go through and understand things better and really look at different technologies. So we, we introduced something called personalization as you go, where we looked at products as opposed to going through and looking at what people have bought and in the person space. We actually attached a lot of machine learning and artificial intelligence to the product space. What it's done is it allows us to build intelligence into that. And give you an example of what it would mean is a person walking in with cold start, just investing in our technology, turning it on, we'd be able to go in where someone would search, for example, on uh, like you would if you go into a store. Suppose you go into a store, sporting store and you go in into the golf section and pick up a pair of pants. The associate comes by and says, hey, uh, can I help you? So, yeah, I'd be interested in some gloves. Well, if you're in the golf section, it's very easy to really make that connection. Online is very difficult unless you look at it from a map of the products or a map of the content. And that's something that we've been able to do is go through and provide that means for people to go in and navigate through the various different sectors and space at that point, such that in a short period of time, you go in, you click on, you look at golf pants, and then you may say, I'm looking at a club or I'm looking at a ball. And at this point, balls pop up and uh, they're golf balls as opposed to tennis or baseball or football, as it may be at this point, based on the browser's behavior. So these are areas where we start to limit the negative impacts of where being able to have massive amounts of machine learning models and others are still taking a mass personalization effect as opposed to really a highly personalized approach where based on what somebody's sector is by truly understanding the data that's there. And ultimately, once again, really for us, the gold standard is taking that best experience that you'd see in a store and being able to mirror that back down to the individual with how they go shopping or how they work inside an organization. Very cool, Brian. So I think I'm understanding this correctly in terms of the personalization as you go, which you guys are rolling out, right? It's coming soon. Yeah, exactly. And these are things that we've got a couple of customers. We've been soft rolling it out. So a lot of customers are using pieces of it, but we call it personalization as you go. And this is something that we brought in to really address that. And so we have other items that are part of it, such as tags to help do discovery. We may search on pants and this as well. Here's golf, here's a dress, here's other parts around that. And by understanding the product data and understanding people's interaction with it, you can bring these items out and it really comes down to really mimic at this point of personal shopping assistance, whether it's sporting goods or clothing or uh, going through and looking at DIY, any of these sectors, especially when there's hundreds of thousands of SKUs that are in there. This is where we're really able to derive that intelligence and bring that part uh, back in as well. That's excellent. So there's a quicker go live time, I'm assuming, because you don't have to rely on a lot of historical first-party data from your clients, you can get going pretty quickly. It's eye-opening we work with customers is search. In many cases, clients will go in, they'll first become transactional, they'll go on. They've sometimes bought generation one search where there's armies of manual merchandisers out there trying to guess in kind of a whack-a-mole capacity what a user is going to type and build lots of logic and rules. We've had customers that have had six plus people that are out there trying to just guess and manage the search component when you just really can't guess what people are going to come out with. Not to mention things change, seasons change, items come out there. So there's a lot of older generation tech that's out there. And what happens is it trips up on a regular basis. So a lot of our business, so we had one where a CEO of a large sporting goods store was on his private jet and had sent an email to the CIO saying, search is terrible. I can't find anything. Get it fixed. So we, we got called in and we went in to fix that. And there's a lot of those items where we're going through and, and looking at it. And I, I think people need to look at it. It's not, even though the search box is a small box, it's inside 
inside it a, a web page or inside an experience, especially on mobile. When you start to look at it, it really beyond browsing and a lot of that, the search is really the brains and the intelligence in that window into finding information. So once you're in there and you're providing search and you're looking at it, then you can go in and start making recommendations on content and products and other items. But to really go in and prioritize that, and it is actually the lowest hanging fruit from revenue, being able to go in and say, okay, how do I add 20% more revenue to my site? How do I go in and increase the long-term value of a customer or increase revenue by 10, 20% per session for a customer? These are ways where very quickly customers can do that. And from a business perspective, grow revenue from a customer's perspective, provide a superior experience where they can interact with the brand. So my biggest thing to a lot of customers is to, is to look at prioritizing things like search, product recommendation, product listing pages, the brains and the relevance behind it, and look for ways where they can differentiate and stand out up against the Amazons and the Walmarts and the others of the world that have massive amounts of SKUs, but not necessarily the amount of depth around uh, what they provide in their part. And that's where it's a case and surprisingly uh, for a lot of customers is they find the, the ROI is very, very strong and very, very quickly realized as well. So that's my biggest call to action for customers to be relevant, certainly going into holiday seasons and others to look at just the experience of that. It's just the information experience that's out there. I'm thinking back to my own personal experiences shopping online. And there's some sites where, I mean, huge retailers where you have to put in so many filters as the person searching because when you search, nothing really comes up and you just have to check off all of these boxes. Why is that? Why is it set up like that so often? It's old technology. <laughs> it's probably okay. you know, it's the biggest It's a short answer. Yeah. It's old tech. We have dynamic navigation experience. We actually do this for a couple of our customers where we'll limit the number of filters that are there and we'll surface the most relevant filters mm. so that if it's priced, that it may be something. And it's not always the same in every category. And that's what we look at with machine learning and AI. We're able to look at and say, okay, what are the filters? that people use? What are the ones that are more important and surface those out there? Now, that's one way to do it. The other is, as we mentioned earlier, is with discovery tags or looking at using NLP, natural language processing, we can go through and that, that example of I'm looking for a dress in New York under 500 bucks, being able to take that pre-populate that allows you to even eliminate it. We had a classic case. We go in and demonstrate with uh, one of our electronics retailers where uh, you type in 4K monitor and so, okay, I get it. 4K monitor, you type that for a computer monitor in 4K. You'd see junk like HDMI connectors, USB connectors, things that aren't even a monitor. So being able to break down what is a monitor 4K and you'd see superfluous things like resolution. It's like, well, I've asked for 4K. Why am I seeing a 1280 by 1024 resolution when I've already specified 4K? So really providing that level of intelligence to go in there. But yet the, the short answer is it's old tech. This is yeah. where, uh, where we can upgrade. That's where clients need to be thinking about that. It's funny that you gave that example because I have had experiences like that. And you know what I do? I just go back to Google. I'm like, well, I'm going to start over because Google will show me something more relevant. Well, actually, in your point there, what happens then is customers churn. So Amazon mm -hmm. spends a fortune bidding on words. So if you go in, you look at something, go onto a site, you look for a 4K monitor, you can't find what you want, go back to Google. Chances are Amazon's going to put an ad word in because their conversion rate is so high, they can afford to spend more bidding on those particular words. So they'll outbid the retailers in many cases. So yeah, that's the issue. Once your search box doesn't resolve what you want, you've, you've lost the customer. They've gone to Google and they've gone somewhere else. Exactly. And we can't give more people over to Jeff. 
We have to have some retail left. Exactly. Some other variants out there. I agree. I totally agree. Well, Brian, you talked about a lot of exciting things today. I love seeing Coveo at the shows. Excited to see you guys when we're at NRF next year. And how can our listeners, if anyone is interested in reaching out, what's the best way to do so? We've got demos. We're constantly going through and we've got blog entries and others at Coveo.com, C-O-V-E-O.com. And uh, check it out. And, and by all means, you can hit me on LinkedIn, Brian McLinn. Uh, I'm certainly there and, and people can reach out to me directly or we've got a lot of great folks uh, on our, our pages as well where we go through. So there's a lot of case studies, other items there to really help either build business cases where a lot of our customers ask us, hey, I'd love to go in and, and really improve my UI and my customer experience. Can you help me with a business case? The answer is yes. We, we do this all the time. So we have materials there. We have a team there. And yeah, we love to talk about what we can do to help your business. Wonderful. That was Brian McGlynn, General Manager of E-Commerce at Coveo. Thanks for coming on the show, and I hope to have you on again in the future. Well, thanks for having me. You've been listening to Rethink Retail. For all the latest news on commerce and trends, join the discussion, rethink.industries.com.